0: Welcome back to the FFP. Today, we are doing part two of our running back rankings. That's right. We're going to go through our RB 13 through 24 and be finishing up essentially the fantasy starter. So that's going to be a lot of fun as we continue on. Of course, make sure to watch that first video if you didn't. And you know, this could very well be like an hour long video. Our last one was like 55 minutes for 12 players. So uh, if you're new to this channel, I just want you to know that this is going to be very in-depth and drag on for quite a while, so there'll be some timestamps down in the description, which I actually forgot to add on the first video, and I still have to do. But anyways, um, Rob, I'll pass it to you. Is there anything you want to say before we get started?
1: This does feel pretty straightforward. but Yeah, we're calling this our RB2s. Here's the idea, not Tier 2. Don't be confused. Mm-hmm. RB2. The idea is in your standard league typically is 12 teams in size, right? And so uh, that's 1 through 12. Well, 13 through 24 is, in theory, your RB2s. So that's kind of how we went there um obviously we got a long ways to go before the season starts we're going to redo this again with our rankings we'll adjust accordingly but here's where we stand right now in June absolutely
0: and that's the funny thing is I was up way too late last night answering comments people were asking you know why is Antonio Gibson in this spot and why haven't you talked about this player yet so I'd encourage you guys leave a comment and you know maybe I can give you even more reasoning or more discussion you know we can do some player comparisons and, and a lot of different things but uh, that being said let's just get right into it and get started All right, so before we get into the first guy of this video, it's important to note that we are still in our tier two running backs. If you didn't watch our last video or you just didn't remember, again, we talked about just how big tier one was. Tier two is also a fairly large size tier because there was so much running back talent. So I want to say that there were a few guys that made the top 12. There were a few guys in that first video, you know, but some of these guys, you know, we're going to be talking about a few of them, not too many that we still have in tier two, but a few of them who could very well move into that top 12 range. Uh, That being said, number 13, the first guy of this video is Josh Jacobs. Uh, We talked about it last video for a few running backs, and we're going to start off with another guy, just like we've already mentioned a few of them, and that is just a pure running stud. When you can get it done on the ground, as well as a guy like Josh Jacobs or a Derrick Henry or a Nick Chubb, man, you already are going to keep yourself on the field. And of course, you're going to get yourself goal line touches, which matters. The efficiency wasn't there from Josh Jacobs. Just 3.8 yards per carry was abysmal. And to be honest with you, you look at a stat like that, I could completely see us bumping him down in our rankings uh, as we head more towards the uh, closer to the season. That being said, there were plenty of stats and plenty of information that shows one, just how good of a runner he is. And two, that ultimately his running concerns are not his fault. There were bad issues with the offensive line, some offensive problems and things like that, that if the Raiders can fix some of those issues, he can have even more value this year than he did last year. But again, he already was good last year. He had 12 rushing touchdowns. That was fourth behind Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, and Nick Chubb. So that is a great category to be in. And 12 total touchdowns for a running back is good. So if you're in a standard league, awesome. Now he does get a definite like lowering of his value in PPR leagues but it is important to note this is a guy who finds the end zone and he finds the end zone a lot for a guy Who's on an offense that doesn't see a lot of red zone touches if that passing game starts to work itself out right if they start to have a little bit more production on their offense as a whole they could very well get more red zone touches and and continue to allow them to have those t- uh, those touchdowns but let's get into some of the metrics because his 51 avoided tackles was fifth his 65 red zone carries led all running backs and he's a very explosive runner right he's not just this big fat bulky guy he's explosive He had 31 runs of 10-plus yards. That is fifth among running backs. So when we talk about it, very, very effective runner. In fact, over the last two seasons, 120 forced-missed tackles, third most in the league over that time. So great runner, the obvious concern being... He just doesn't have quite the same ability in the pass game as other running backs. He is not inept. In fact, I wouldn't even call him bad. I might say he is average or below average. It ultimately comes down to that Raiders system, not using him in the passing game. I don't know why that is, but that's just how it is, and they're not targeting him as much as as I think that they should. Um, a lot of people are concerned about Kenyon Drake. I am not concerned about them signing Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake was a guy that the Cardinals didn't even want. They were perfectly happy to go get... You know, stick with Chase Edmonds and go get James Connor and just fill that offense with whoever it may be. So, to me, I don't think that Drake adds a lot to that team, but simply replaces one of their
1: bench backs that they lost this season or this off season. So, Rob, you got anything to add to that? You know, I think he's a very talented back, former first round pick. I think you underestimate how talented he is. I think some of those, like you said, uh, that he had a 4.8 yards per carry his first year and last year 3.9, a drop down allows to do the offense around him. And I will say this, you know, he gutted out and showed some strength down the stretch there. He had a lot of injuries he fought through. I think he had a really bad shoulder injury. And so I like this guy. Um, don't overlook Josh Jacobs. He's got a talent that if everything fell into place, could, you know, crack the top five or six. So. Absolutely.
0: That's that's a big if, but it is an if to consider. And when you're that good in the running game, there is some safety to that. We mentioned that in our last video. I don't feel like it's as big as a, as a risk. Whereas if you're on the other end of the spectrum, like an Austin Eckler, that feels risky to me. But uh, let's move on to
1: our number 14 back. Who do you got, Rob? I got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And so uh, we take a look at this guy here. One, week one, this guy comes out, boom, game buster. 138 yards rushing, 5.5 yards per carry. Also huge in week six. Um, but honestly, he's playing on a great offense, and I think a lot of people expected more production-wise. His last seven games were disappointing. If you look at the first six. Here's what he did in the first six games. 4.7 yards per carry, 505 rushing yards. Last seven, 4.0 yards per carry, 298 yards. He had averaged 10.6 carries and 3.3 targets from week seven on compared to 17 carries before that and 5.2 targets per game. And that was prior to Bell's arrival there. Phil um, gets yards per carry, I'm sorry, yards after contact and his elusive rating, which is kind of the metrics we look at to, you know, how effective is he at back. Um, they were decent, but they weren't great. Okay, mm-hmm. so not, uh, not bad. Why didn't he have bigger numbers on that offense? Because there's such a great offense there. Was it offensive line issues? Was it being a rookie in experience? Other running backs? Uh, I'm not really sure. But here's what I would say. If you really dive deep and you look at it, he didn't have a great year. I know some of you are going to just disagree with that, but let's be mm-hmm. honest. He didn't have a spectacular year. But you can't ignore this guy. One, he plays on an offense that's prolific. Mm-hmm. okay? And it was Pat Mahomes who actually pushed for the coaches to draft this guy. He loved him. So something out of college, they liked this guy there. And here's another thing that I like about it. He's a clear number one back on a great offense, playing with one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league and maybe will turn out to be one of the greatest quarterbacks or the greatest quarterback ever, although it's hard to anybody at, yeah. at a Tom Brady right now, right? For sure. So anyways, um, they made no significant moves in the offseason to bring another back, and I like that. They didn't mm-hmm. bring somebody in, so it tells us that they're very comfortable leaning on him as their lead back. Here's another thing that I like. I think I'm going to throw some things out there in the video. Mm-hmm. But if you look at back the running back history with Andy Reid at quarterback, that bodes very well for Clyde. If you look at running backs historically under Reid, you think about Deuce Daly, Brian Westbrook, Lashawn McCoy, Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt. Very similar type of backs to Clyde. Very similar mm-hmm. skill set, right? And they were all very productive, and he loves to leave heavily on his backs. Already the coach has said that he's coming to year two. He's a lot more familiar with the offense, a lot better prepared to go into the year, so that's good. Now, they did have offensive line concerns. Here's what they did. They went in the offseason, and they grabbed a couple guys, and many would argue they grabbed the best, um, what they would say, um, guards in the they would call it in the free agent market out there. They also had some other guys. So you look at They put some money into improving that offensive line. They will get better. And here's the thing that I love. No matter how effective he's going to be, let's say this guy comes out like a cane buster, you're never going to load the box against this guy, right? With Pat Mahomes back there, yeah, it's not going to happen. So once again, this guy's just in a great situation to be successful. Even if he doesn't have a great years as far as efficiency goes, he's going to have some good fantasy numbers because of the offense he plays on. Absolutely.
0: I think that's what's really funny. You can talk to somebody about fantasy, and they can break down for you and have memorized, like, this is his shoe size, and this is his 40-yard dash, and this is his yards per carry win against loaded boxes, and this is his yards per carry in the fourth quarter. And it's like... Great. Did you know that they added two of the best offensive linemen in free agency? Or did you know that they last year their offensive line was awful and they struggled for this reason? Or like you start to talk about things that aren't stats or maybe have to do with the offensive line or the defense, and then the fantasy owners just goes right over the head and they don't pay attention to that. Uh, I think that's kind of funny, but also it's kind of sad because I think it's really, really important. Guys, it's not just about talent. It's about opportunity. You're not going to get the opportunities if you don't have that offensive line to really support you and make the most of those. So for me, that's a huge opportunity upgrade, and I think he's a guy who will surprise some people this season. All right, here at number 15, we've got running back Cam Akers. For those of you, Rob, I know you own him, and for those of you who do own him in your fantasy leagues, you know, dynasty and keeper, you, you got to be excited. Huge, huge, huge upside from this guy. For starters, they have a huge upgrade at quarterback. Say what you want, but Stafford is better. He's a veteran quarterback who has just move the chains pretty much no matter what weapons he's got to work with. And hey, they've got a good offensive line. Pro Football Focus gave them the fourth best run blocking rating last season. That is a great combination to be in. They've got weapons in the passing game. You get your quarterback set. You've got the offensive line. This is the making of you know, one of those surprisingly great running back seasons where, hey, he might not be the most talented running back out there, But a lot of that production can come from simply having a phenomenal offense. That being said, he was good last year. I mean, he is a guy who loves yards after contact. I don't know what it is, but he's physical and he runs guys over. 556 of his 846 rushing yards came after contact. That is 66% yards after contact of his total yards. I mean, that is a physical runner right there. That being said, what we really want to talk about, because let's be honest, he wasn't good all year. He had some struggles. He wasn't great. But there was a stretch towards the end of the season where he was phenomenal. So I took a look at the last six healthy games that he played in. Now, that is kind of a goofy stat because there were some games I took out where he was banged up in that game and didn't include those because he didn't play the whole game. And then, so there were some weird gaps. Two of those games were also playoff games. So I do want to clarify that when I say his last six healthy games, it was not consecutive games. They were broken up. That being said... He finished fourth in fantasy scoring among running backs, averaging over 100 yards rushing per game, five yards per carry, four total touchdowns, and a league-best 26 red zone carries. Now, again, that is over those specific weeks, but those numbers are huge. That is the upside for Cam Akers. But I'm going to stress it one more time. Guys... I cherry-picked those numbers. I did. I made everything perfect any week that I wanted to take away that wasn't good for him. We just didn't look at that. So we ultimately were able to make him look, honestly, probably better than he's going to be this season, right? That is his upside for certain, but it's hard to say that that's his most likely, you know, what he's really going to look like this season, if we're being honest. So I think, to be honest, if you look at any running back and take their six best weeks, they're going to look pretty darn good. That being said, he is in a great situation. He really is. The offensive line is great. The upgrade quarterback is great. The wide receivers are there, so defenses can't load the box. He is in an awesome situation, and the upside is there. And I don't think that there's that low of a downside because they are a team who really wants to have a solid number one back, and if he can continue to produce like he did in those weeks, and if he can continue to be
1: healthy, he will get the volume. He'll get the numbers. So you look back to Todd Gurley on that offense, how he thrived. You know, one, I'm pulling for Cam Akers because he's on my Dynasty League. So please, please have a good year. Uh, you did cherry-pick some weeks there, and yeah. that could be kind of deceitful or you're maybe twisting the numbers. But I think one thing that needs to be considered is this. He was trending in the right direction at the end of the year, right? Yeah. But come playoff time, I kind of suspected maybe they're going to go back to one of their veteran backs, you know, like that, and mm-hmm. just kind of play it conservatively. But the coach trusted him. In the playoffs, this is not against the Jets, mm-hmm. right? So those games you cherry-picked, it gets some of that cream-of-the-crop competition. And in the postseason, he actually played really well. Yeah. Um, so I think that actually bodes well, even though, like you said, you cherry-picked those two of those games were playoff games. And, and he continued that same positive trend and looked great. As the year went on, he got stronger and stronger. So I actually like this guy a lot. Yeah, exactly. That's what's really tough with those playoff games. Sometimes
0: you look at those playoff games and you find the next gem. Wow, they use him in crunch time and he produced. Look at what they're going to rely on him next season. But I'm a little skittish to be too excited about playoff stats as we saw what happened with Spencer Ware. He was explosive in the playoffs and then just really kind of didn't live up to it after that. So anyways, that's my breakdown of Cam Akers. A little bit of a risky pick there, but man, the upside and the situation are absolutely phenomenal.
1: So, the guy I've got next is rookie running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Harris. Um, is this too high, number 14? Is that where we're at right now, I believe? It uh, uh, looks 16, like we're at 16. Yeah, 16. My yep. 16. Um, he's a rookie. But here's the thing if you look at uh, one, rookie running backs are the one position where they can come into the NFL and almost immediately have success. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of rookies, it's not about talent, it's about opportunity. And he landed in the perfect situation. Yeah. He's got no real competition at that position. You know, there's no other back on the Pittsburgh currently right now that looks like they're majorly threatening him. Another thing I think you need to consider is opportunity. When he's going to get the ball, he's going to get his touches and carries. But also, there are some systems in football or team philosophies that just produce good players in production. Mm-hmm. And for the Steelers, that one place is the running back position. If you think about it, it seems like it doesn't matter who they plug in there, they produce. You know, you think about Le'Veon Bell, or Sean Mendenhall, Willie Parker, James Conner, even their backups have come in and produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a cla- you know what I call a classic situation where the team makes the player or the team makes the back. Exactly. It's so funny. You look like late in the season, there'll be injuries to their offensive
0: line and their top three running backs, and they'll be like, hey, you're half tight end, half running back, half wide receiver. Would you like 115 rushing yards and a touchdown this week? Like Samuels. Yeah, like Samuels. But so, again, it's just, I wanted to affirm that. Like, I don't
1: know what it is. It's Pittsburgh. They just, their running backs succeed pretty much no matter what. Yeah, here's what I like I love, at, you know, plays with great attitude are driven to be better. Um, I love that. You know, Adrian Peterson came out recently, and Adrian had said that he thinks that this guy's built differently. And the reason why I said that was based on a report that came out of Pittsburgh there that was saying that this guy was spending so much time on the practice field that the coaches finally had to say, you need to leave the practice field and go home. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love that. The guy's there. He's working hard. He's taking so much in. You got to tell the guy to leave the practice field. I don't know about you, but when I grew up playing sports, man, I'd say, well, when that practice was over, I was exhausted. I was tired. I was ready to go home. Yeah. This guy wants to draw. He wants to be one of the best. Um, This guy's got the pedigree. He's a former first-round pick, right? He was number one recruit in the country back in high school. The Bobby Dodd National High School Running Back of the Year as a senior, he won that award. Um, He came out of Antioch High School in California, and he leaves Alabama, which, by the way, is a football and running back factory. It wasn't like he was just some obscure running back for, you know, um, North Dakota State. I just probably offended some people out there, didn't I? You did. Sorry. It's okay. We're good at that, so might as well keep it up. I do have concerns for him. Um, I do have a few. Maybe not directly for him, but I tell you what. They've got some new starters for the Pittsburgh offensive linemen. And so they got a lot of question marks. In fact, this offensive lineman for years has been um, really a mark of excellence. But now mm-hmm. they've got some new guys coming there. And they dropped back to 17th in the league last year in offensive line rankings. And that's really out of character for them. Mm-hmm. But once again, they've got a lot of coaches there. The scheme is there. I think that offensive line is going to make some adjustments. He's got great size. There's no way to deny it. He runs tough and he's physical. But if you're a running back in the Steelers offense, you've got to be able to catch the ball in the backfield because they're highly involved in the passing game. Can he be a third down back? Well, I'll tell you what. Here's what they said at the combine when they talked about his strengths and weaknesses. He's got talent as a route runner. His pass-catching ability was on full display in 2020. He's got soft hands with above-average ball skills, and he's willing and able to pass protect. So everything indicates that, yeah, this is a guy that can be there on third down and passing situations. Everything points to him being a three-down back, and a lot of people compared him to Josh Jacobs as far as the type of runner that he is. So that's good company, I think, to be compared to. I like this guy. He fell into a great situation.
0: Yeah, there's really no arguing that. And I love what you said. Adrian Peterson is is just insane. This is a guy who had his best season, a 2000 rushing yard season that only eight running backs have ever done. He does that coming off of an injury. I mean, his mindset and his work ethic and kind of the intensity that he played with. When he makes that comment about another player, like that means more than when, you know, just your average fantasy player goes, that guy works hard, like you know what I mean? So that really stands out to me and that makes a big difference. I mean, I, I guess the real piece of advice to take from this, and maybe this is for mostly just new fantasy players, pay attention to right now. The stuff that we're hearing in these camps makes a big difference. That's how you find the next Alvin Kamara, who wasn't supposed to be the starter and turned into an absolute fantasy yeah. stud. So you're paying attention to these things right now really separates the good from the bad in fantasy.
1: Yeah, I remember years ago, uh, real quickly there, um, brand new, I think it was back in the 90s, got him getting old. Anyways, um. I was told for sure in fantasy football, don't pay attention to the preseason doesn't mean anything, but I watched this wide receiver in his second year and he just looked good. He had good preseason games, coach was talking well. And I drafted the guy and it was Isaac Bruce, and then way around to have a phenomenal year. Um, preseason does matter, once again. It doesn't matter as much for a veteran who's been doing it for years, but for these younger players, pay attention. Absolutely. Let's get to our next
0: guy. All right, now we got into running back number 17, James Robinson. Here's a guy who finished his seventh in fantasy scoring amongst running backs last season. He was absolutely phenomenal. And, and let's be honest, that number could have and even should have been higher. That offense struggled and his he was kind of held back. I'm just going to put that out there. He was held back and would have had a better year if they could get more first downs, get more red zone touches, things like that, but they didn't. Ultimately, he somehow managed to finish top six in attempts, rushing yards, yards after contact, and carries of 10-plus yards. He was just an absolute surprise last year, James Robinson, and he lit up the league, again, finishing seventh in fantasy running back scoring, despite finishing 18th in red zone attempts and 38th in goal line touches. The fact of the matter is, he didn't get the quality touches that mattered, and he still put up big fantasy points. So first, I'd like to pause and say, Rob, you were a guy at the beginning of last season. You really called it. Most people were staying away from anything that had to do with Jacksonville. And you were
1: right when you talked about the beginning of our season that James Robinson had some value. Yeah, we always say that it's about opportunity. And we looked at that right now. There's no key running backs that were standing out. But, you know, if someone's going to get the carries, I said, you've got to pay attention to the Jacksonville Jaguars running back situation. when we did in the videos, a lot of people said, that's ridiculous. I won't touch them. Well, I hope you're one that took our advice. Because if you did, you got a great steal. And he was huge last year. So, what's the one thing that can really limit his
0: value or take away from him? Why is he being bumped down in our rankings so much? And maybe we're overreacting. We very well could be. Uh, But the reason we bumped him down and the reason many people bumped him down far more than we did was the drafting of Travis Etienne. So, let's talk about that. There is nothing that can take the wind of your fantasy sales more than your team drafting a first round pick at your position. That being said, he wasn't the first pick they took, he was the second pick they took late in the first round. And I think they took him because he offered a lot in the passing game that they wanted, right? When you've got a rookie like Trevor Lawrence, you are not going to get a guy scouted and touted that highly out of college ever again. I mean, seriously, this is a guy who people have not been so excited about a rookie quarterback in decades. So... You really need to get him the passing weapons. No excuses. Let's see what he can do. We want him to run the offense. Let's run the ball and see what happens with this guy. So you go out and draft a running back who can catch really well out of the backfield. In fact... Um, catching from Trevor Lawrence in college. He had uh, 85 passes for over a thousand yards and six touchdowns. So very, very effective. That being said, I'm not sure about what type of role he's going to play in the running game. And here's for me, kind of when they first made that draft pick, I worry. And then you start to look at it. And I have no doubt in my mind that James Robinson is the better runner and that they're probably going to use him a lot in the passing game. And Urban Meyer really put the nail in the coffin on that you know, kind of for that opinion for me when he came out and said, and I quote, best case scenario, have a hybrid player who does both. And that's what we're looking to develop out of Travis. That to me is not something you want to hear. If you're a guy who is a big fan of Travis Etienne, how often can you think of a hybrid player running back who is really produced, right? Not a dual threat hybrid. Cause I think those terms mean very differently. I expect that he could oftentimes be split out as a wide receiver going to be heavily used in that role. But I definitely wonder you know, what his part in that offense is going to be. We did drop uh, James Robinson in our rankings because they did draft a running back, because Travis Etienne is going to steal touches. But I don't think he's going to steal as many touches as some people are expecting. And I imagine he'll be relegated mostly to a passing game role. Rob, do you feel like that's
1: probably an accurate prediction? I think it is. But even if he gets a lot of carries, consider this. You know, the RBC is scary. Running back by committee, I hate that, right? Mm -hmm. But last year, there's a team out there that had two backs that had great years. In fact, the backup ended up ninth in running back scoring. Anybody? Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. So they're able to support two guys. So even if you know Travis gets a lot of carries or a decent amount of carries, I still think that Josh is your guy there, and I still think Mm -hmm. he has good numbers. I don't think you can ignore that. Absolutely.
0: And I'd like to repeat what you just said, because I think some people may have been listening but not heard. The backup finished ninth in running back scoring. I'm just going to say that one more time. The backup finished ninth in running back scoring, because that to me is crazy. And it does really tell you that ultimately, if you're in an offense that wants to run the ball and you've got the talent,
1: you'll get the fantasy points. Here's another way. How do you protect a rookie quarterback? You run the ball often. You run the you ball. Play off. action. You name it. That's a way that you take pressure on a young, developing quarterback. And so I think they're going to lean heavily on the run as you develop that really stud quarterback.
0: Absolutely. Um, so that
1: rounds out James Robinson. Why don't we move on to our next guy? So I got Miles Gaskins, and I'm going to say this right. There's a million reasons why this guy should scare you. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to put it out there for you. One doesn't have the pedigree. Uh, former seventh round pick. He's not big. 200 pounds. That's not the size you want to see for running back. The metrics don't jump out at you. Um, he's got average, but not great yards per carry. His elusive rating's not great. Um, so why, you know, why is this a guy that we should even consider? You know, why do we have him ranked where we do? Well, I think there's a reason for hope. One, he's got no significant competition. Ahmed's the one guy that maybe develops. I don't know, but right now looks like he's the guy. I think the team likes him, and uh, they really use strongly down the stretch there. And he was great in the passing game last year. Highly used, he had 41 catches for 388 yards in 10 games. Down the stretch, he was their lead back, and they relied heavily on this guy. Um, Here's the thing, too. If you look at what we call total yards, which is for running back, is your receiving yards and your rushing yards, um, he almost averaged 100 yards per game, 97 to be exact. You know, That's a lot of uh, total yards per game, very solid there. If he, he was able to sustain that over 16 games, that would have been um, 58 rushing yards and 38 receiving yards per game. right? That would put him over 1,500 yards, and that's a really good company. Mm-hmm. That puts you up there in the, the likes of Derrick Henry, Delvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Stefan Diggs david montgomery so i mean that's great company to be in he played that now you talked about it earlier but people kind of scoffed at the uh, jaguars running back situation last year but don't overlook that okay even teams that are rebuilding or whatever i mean they've got to run the ball there's got to be a guy there and so i think this is your guy another thing last year is next gen stats looked at it He averaged 2.0 yards per route last season that was third among running backs with over 150 routes so that's very solid he's very effective there um there's only about 15 running backs who add that sort of high consistency. Where we talk about production, the passing game versus targets, et cetera. And he actually rated eighth among running backs as far as passing production at that position. So it's a very good rating there. Um, if you look at all running backs in the receiving ranking, he was the fifth running back by pro football focus as far as his ability to receive the ball. He's the Huskies all-time leader in rusher, going back to college. So he did handle the lead role there well. Um, now he's a little undersized and that's the thing that concerns me I like a back that's big and physical and take a beating that's not this guy he's not a big guy but here's what he did the offseason he put a lot of work in he hired a personal trainer he's working with overall strength agility working things like his ankles and knees trying to do Pilates things like that you know doing those awkward moments to get flexibility and strength there because he realizes he needs to uh, obviously work on that hopefully that equates to more games played more touches more durability um, I'm not as concerned about him you know my real concern is out there is the quarterback I'm yeah. not sure is the guy I just don't know um, please forgive me if I'm wrong, but he feels a lot like Mark Sanchez when I watch him play. I just does. I don't know. I hope his career goes better. He seems like he's a decent person.
0: Looks kind of clunky and lost out there. No offense. That's just what I see sometimes, and I totally get that concern. And, and maybe this really defines what we're talking about. There's more talent at running back, and we've said this a few times. There's more talented at the running back position than we've ever seen before. So maybe it's time when we evaluate fantasy backs to not look as much at their talent and more at their situation. Of course, we all know that, but maybe it's
1: time to do that more than we have in the past. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to overthink preseason, but in a preseason practice scrimmage recently, he threw five interceptions. So that's the one thing. If he struggles, if he doesn't progress, if he doesn't evolve in his game, that could hurt his overall production. But once again, I think this guy's great. He's very strong in PPR leagues. You may want to bump him down in standard leagues. We'll say that with a couple other players.
0: Yeah, so exactly. I don't have anything to add to that unless you got anything more we nope. can continue on. All right, here at number 19, we've got DeAndre Swift. Look at the numbers. He, he actually, he surprised me. He, I knew he was fairly talented, but the situation wasn't great. Uh, but he was more talented than I expected, really. You look at it, he tied for 10th with 10 combined TDs and his 357 receiving yards was 11th running, running backs. He had 4.6 yards per carry, which was fairly good. Not great, but good. And his 1.58 yards per route ran was 7th best among running backs. Ultimately, he really produced... Fifth in fantasy points per snap and ninth in fantasy points per touch. DeAndre Swift was a fantasy machine last season when he got the ball, but he didn't get the ball that much. One, he only played 13 games and two, he wasn't in an ideal situation. That's just the fact of the matter. And really the worst thing here and the reason he's at number 19 and not cracking the top 12 is because he was in a bad situation that hurt him last year and it got worse. They lost their top three wide receivers. They lost their quarterback. That offense to be just looks like a mess. And I'm going to be honest with you. He is just probably the only real talented player in that offense right now. So if you're facing the Detroit Lions, what do you do but load the box and shut down their one talented guy? You put your best linebacker to cover him. I mean, the attention he's going to see this year is going to be so heavy. And he's not just going to see attention. He's going to struggle to get volume because, and I'm just going to put this out there as a fact. They're not gonna be a very good offense. They're gonna struggle to get first downs. They're gonna struggle to keep drives going, and they're gonna struggle to get into the end zone. So, love DeAndre Swift. Years from now, on a different team, or if this team turns some things around, huge value. But right now, I think he stays there purely on his talent. Should be higher, though.
1: So, I got Chris Carson. Um, What you see is what you get with this guy. I like him. He's got a workman like attitude. You know, I don't hear you heard this expression, but we used to always talk about a guy brings his lunchbox to the office with him. And that's what he does. He's not spectacular, but he's very solid. He runs really hard. He's got a career of 4.6 yards per carry, and he's been very consistent. Consider this in four years, 4.2, 4.7, 4.8, 4.4 yards per carry. So very solid in the, the running game, runs very physical. But here's the thing that I like. He's become increasingly better in the passing game. His catches per game went from 1.4 to 2.5 to 3.1, and last year had four receiving touchdowns. And he received the fifth overall receiving rating amongst running backs last year in pro football. Focus, so very good rating there. Does he have competition? Because that's always what it comes down to. You know, you got Penny. I think Penny's showing potential, but he can not stay healthy, come back from some major injuries there. Uh, Alex Collins has been more of a journeyman. So to me, this is his team, right? The, the, he's going to be the back there. I think what we'll tend to do, and a lot of owners will do, is they'll, they'll want a running back with a higher ceiling, with more potential. And there are running backs out there that have more potential than Chris Carson. But, man, he's very, very safe. He's got a very solid floor. He's a very strong running back to play in 12-team leagues, mm-hmm. going 20th overall. And so, once again, you can grab that young guy that's maybe unproven, who has a high ceiling, but you could swing and miss the fence where here's a guy that you know what you're going to get. You're going to be safe. You're solid. Here's the other reason that I like this guy, um, that offense. you got mm-hmm. Wilson, Locke, and Metcalf. Um, it's going to be very hard to load the box against him. And so, once yeah. again, he's a very solid play. Don't forget this guy. All right. I think
0: that's a great pick. And and I totally agree. I love the safety. You're going to have to take some risks in your fantasy draft. Not every pick should be a risk. If you really reached on a guy in the first round, or you you really reached on your other running back, whatever it may be, that's the time to take the safe pick and not to risk it. Because if you take too many risks, you're going to miss eventually, and that'll ruin your season. All right, here at number 21, we've got Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's a guy that has been huge on a lot of fantasy rankings, considered a sleeper many years, and he's kind of been a bust for a lot of years where he has disappointed people and not lived up to the expectations. That's not the only reason, though, he's lower on this rankings list than he has been for a lot of people in a lot of years past. Um, There were just a lot of struggles with that Bengals team. They scare me right now. I want to believe that Joe Mixon will... excuse me, that Joe Burrow and the Bengals' offense will turn it around this year. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks do it. Carson Wentz and the Eagles went from bad to great. Um, Lamar Jackson from year one to year two went horrible to amazing, right? I mean, we've seen drastic turnarounds, but it's not a guarantee, and there's a risk there. The Bengals were fourth fewest yards and points last season as an offense. They struggled, and it needs to be noted, guys, if you're a Joe Burrow fan, I'm a Joe Burrow fan as well, but even when Joe Burrow was playing, they were not a prolific offense. I think a lot of people were excited about him And he had that one good game But to be honest I definitely want to see some more production out of that I think Herbert definitely was was having the better season But ultimately Here's a guy who was forced to have 71% of his rushing yards came after contact He had just uh, 3.6 yards per carry That is 52nd among running backs Yeah, he's got good volume In fact, he was on pace for the second most carries So again, volume absolutely there but 3.6 yards per carry, I just can't put you higher in the rankings until you show me that there's big improvements to the offensive line or that the passing game is more dangerous or something. So for, for us guys, the
1: efficiency wasn't there, and that offense kind of makes us nervous. Yeah, I like Joe Mixon, but he's just on a bad team right now. That's probably going to get better because, mm-hmm. to be honest, it can't get much worse. But still, um, he's the one veteran on that team. That defenses so I'd focus on shutting down, put pressure on the, the, the second-year quarterback. So I got Miles Sanders, who actually makes CBS Sports' top 25 under 25 list. He's really the type of runner that every time he touches the ball, he can go the distance. He's the only running back since 2019 to have three rushes over 70 yards, so got a good breakaway speed. He's got a 4.9 yards per carry. That's the fourth highest in the NFL over the past two years amongst running backs over 300 carries. His 1,685 scrimmage yards, the 12th most amongst backs since he came into the league. His nine. Yards per catch is six highest among running backs with over 50 receptions since he'd come into the league. First year, he had 4.6 yards per carry. Last year, he had 5.3. That's very good. Had a respectable yards after contact. He's got decent size, but not great. Um, in his rookie season, he showed how dangerous he can be in the passing game. 50 catches, 509 yards, and three receiving touchdowns. So once again, there's a lot to like about this guy, but there are concerns. Here's our concerns. One, the quarterback situation you got Flacco, Hurts, Mullins. Um I'm going to put this out there. I think, Philadelphia fans, you're going to regret losing Carson Wentz. Okay, This is a guy that a couple years ago, before he tore his ACL, this guy was on pace to easily win. He was a front runner to win the, the MVP. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of things that were messed mess last year. Not only hurt Wentz, the offense, and really hurt the production of Miles Sanders, but they had quarterback issues. The offensive line had a ton of injuries, and they had coaching issues. Consider this. You've hired Doug Peterson, who had won the Super Bowl a couple years before that, so the whole team was kind of a mess. Now, you look at last year, I think what really hurt his production, why he didn't have better numbers was the offensive line had so many injuries. Each week, they're having new starting linemen out there. And that came after they lost um, starting left tackle and a starting guard before the season even begun. Mm -hmm. Um, They had 11 different offensive linemen play at least 50 snaps for them. And so it's impossible for an offensive line to be that consistent when you're having all those injuries. Here's the beauty. Um, They're going to have more stability. I'd be shocked if they had that many injuries this year. They're going to get healthier. They're going to get better. So I think that's a somewhat easy fix that will stabilize that. Um, another thing that's concerned is he has been banged up a lot. He struggles mm-hmm. staying healthy. But then that's true of most running backs, if you're being honest, right? You did a thing about talking about last video.
0: Yeah, so it's really tough. He does make me nervous when you, uh, when you combine the injury issues with the struggling offense. But again, the top 24 fantasy running backs last season averaged 14 games. And some of those guys, like Derrick Henry, played 16. Some guys got lucky, which means it's not abnormal for you to make the right pick, get the right talent, and he still only plays you 10 game, 10 games. So, guys, I know you want to avoid the injury-prone players. I know you want to dodge that. But, again, huge, 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 hugely important. Uh, just get used to the fact that you're going to be replacing injured players if you want to win. So,
1: Yeah, he's never shown that he could be a high-volume running back a lot of carries. But once again, he's far too talented to ignore, especially since he is their lead back. So let's move to the next guy.
0: All right, here at number 23, we've got J.K. Dobbins. This was a really strange pick for me because... Um, he's a talented running back. He averaged six yards per carry last season that led all running backs. And he didn't just lead all running backs in the NFL. He didn't just lead all the Ravens backs. I mean, this is an offense that led the league in rushing and he's their guy. How do we not put him higher on this list? Well, I'm going to keep it short and simple. That offense scares me a little bit. They took a really had massive regression from the year prior. I know the hype was really big on Lamar Jackson, but I think he kind of proved that maybe that year was a bit of a peak for him. Um, But ultimately, it really comes down to the lack of, um, I guess, dual threatness or whatever you want to call it. But he finished 49th in both targets and receptions and 52nd in receiving yards. He had just one red zone target, which was 59th, and he finished 24th in red zone carries. So he didn't see quite as many red zone touches as I'd like, and he didn't do anything in the passing game. Guys, the numbers were there rushing: 3.47 yards after contact, 12 carries of 15 yards or more. Um, he was the second best breakaway percentage, and an efficiency rating of 3.27 was fourth best by Next Gen Stats. He's a phenomenal runner, but I don't trust that offense. They really they need to get a few more weapons in that offense. I know they just drafted a wide receiver, but. You know, you put a rookie wideout who may or may not be good with Marquez Brown, who's who's all right, but I don't know if necessarily he's that, you know, that dangerous threat that keeps defenses honest. Let's be honest, I think they can really load the boxes, and you kind of have to when they've got Lamar Jackson back there. So, really, you know, wonder about how productive that offense as a whole is going to be and understanding that if they're losing a game, they're in a blowout, it's a third down situation, Dobbins just isn't out there. Oh yeah, and they've got a backup named Gus Edwards who also had really high efficiency marks in the running game. So they are perfectly okay pulling him out if he's banged up or ineffective or I don't know, even if he just starts to sneeze because of the pollen, they've got a guy to put in there and Lamar Jackson's already a thousand yard rusher. So it's like just this loaded backfield. I really wish that there was some way that he could separate himself a little more like by being that passing game running back because if he did he goes just skyrocketing up these rankings, but it is definitely a concern for me. So there he goes at
1: number 23. Lamar Jackson is a great athlete, not a great quarterback, and we said last year he was going to regress. You can just look at that. The other thing that you said, Gus Edwards, actually very talented. Three years in a row, he's over 700 rushing yards, and he's got a, let's see this right now, a 5.2 career yards per carry. So he's not a joke. This guy's very solid, so I agree with you. I think Dobbins has got a lot of upside, but concerns also. Concerns there with the volume and a lot of other things so on my number 24 guys kareem hunt this guy was great in kansas city obviously there um man it's so tough for me right now to say this because i hate shared roles and i hate that i put a guy in our, our number 24 that is, is is really you know a backup or whatever maybe it's a running back a b whatever uh but you can't deny how good he is last year is ninth in scoring amongst running backs uh, is phenomenal and um if he was on another team, in fact, him and Chubb, if you put them on separate different teams and they're the only backs, they'd both be, uh, I would say, tier one guys. They're that talented. Um, and he could even be possibly top five. Let's say Chubb were to go down, Hunt could be a top five running back. Mm-hmm. The Browns have a great offensive line, and they're going to feed both backs. They found that's how they're successful. So I think he's going to mm-hmm. get a lot of carries and touches this year. And they found out that they're best to run the ball first, and, uh, and I think that's the strength of this team there. Um, I could give you metrics and stats. I could give you yards per carry, yards after contact, elusive rating, on and on and on. But I think we all know that he's a a proven guy. The other thing, he's very effective in the passing game. Um, Simply put, whenever he's on the field, he produces. But his ceiling is capped. It's capped due to the fact that you know Nick Chubb is a great running back there. Um, And we might flex this a little bit. There's some guys outside the top 24 that actually are are, are very talented that we may move them up and flip around. But right now, once again, you can't ignore Kareem Hunt very talented. The numbers were there. I know it's tough to be in a, you know, running back by committee or whatever you want to call that shared role, but once again, very good. Yeah.
0: Very good. It's so funny. It almost feels like a
1: waste of talent. It's such a, such
0: a bothersome. You hate to put them in that situation. And you hate to have the mindset of what if an injury happens. But you're kind of t- you're tempted to draft him because you know the upside if there's an injury. I'd never play for the injury. When it comes to drafting, I pretty much ignore them and act like they don't happen. Because you can, you can really get yourself spinning with scenarios and make bad draft picks because you're assuming a guy is going to get hurt or assuming he's going to stay healthy. So I kind of don't think about it too much. But man, wouldn't you love to take that guy and then maybe something happens and he gets really hot down the stretch or something like that? All right, guys, that's it for the video. That rounds out our top 24. Of course, we did just 12 of them in this video. So if you didn't see the other video, check out our top 12. But um, that is it, all that research. Again, another bit of a long video, but hopefully that helped you guys. We're going to continue to update our rankings as the year goes on. And uh, Rob, you have anything else to say before we close out?
1: Yeah, watch for our next video. We're going to do bounce back players coming up. We're excited for that. We're excited to get our momentum back. Like I said, we got Justin joining us very soon here. Mm-hmm. Here's how you can do us a favor as we continue to grow the site. Like, subscribe, share, make a comment. Once again, thanks for joining us. God bless and take care.